0: goddamn club, aren't I? My name is Horace. So, Van
1: Helsing, soon the creatures of the night shall rule the world. And there is no one to stop her! Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. You got the usual suspects here. I'm Justin, joined by my co-host Daniel. And today we yeah, have, hi. hello, Daniel. Today we have two very hi. special guests, Mr. Andre Gower and Mr. Henry McComas of the Monster Squad documentary. Wolfman's got nards. How the hell are you, gentlemen, this evening? Doing good.
2: Doing, uh, doing pretty good. Good to be back.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Andre is uh, in the Monsters, Madness, and Magic Hall of Fame he's we think he's going to be the only man. <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: the night is young. We, we, yeah.
1: No, that uh, could right. mean
2: that could mean more than one thing technically.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, look, all right, you got that's enough with this
2: pleasant bullshit.
4: Yeah.
3: Something big has happened since the last time we talked to you Andre. What what why are you what's the big news? What happened now?
2: Uh is it that the documentary is being released on October
3: 27th? Bam, hold Ooh. on. I got I need to tell the audience outside. <laughs> yes! They did it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to tell, I, I think my kid just probably shit himself, but okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, anyway, dude, no, confer- but, dude,
2: congratulations. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it, you know, it was different than uh, than when we talked before, because now there's actually some, you know, concrete information to give out and talk about and results of what's been going on in the last month or two. And it, It's a long uh, time yes.
1: coming. Long time coming to boot. Yes. Right. Yeah. All right. So Andre's old news here, Henry, we're going to, we're going to start with you. um, uh, What's, what's your monster squad story, Henry? How'd you meet up with Andre and get this thing rolling?
4: What's my monster squad story? My monster squad story and how I met Andre are two different ones, uh, but I'll give you my monster story. Uh, I grew up, uh in a cul-de-sac and uh my brother had a bunch of vhs tapes and i was always going through them looking for which ones had uh boobs in them uh and i could never find those vhs tapes but i put this one vhs tape in uh called the monster squad and it was handwritten on a white label and I put the tape in and my mind was blown. And so I started sharing it around with my friends on the cul-de-sac and every time we took the tape, we would take turns drawing our favorite monsters onto that white label before we just, it created its own label art. And we started uh, shooting movies in my backyard because I was into films and inspired by the Monster Squad. So we get our action figures and make our own little monster stories. And before you know it, one day I'm leaving the studio as an adult and I see Andre there in the parking lot (laughs) and it's just kismet because I'm like, oh my God, you're Sean from the Monster Squad. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just here for lunch, but I'm working on this documentary and we threw cards at each other. And I went from a kid who just loved watching The Monster Squad growing up to making movies with the leader of The Monster Squad. So it was pretty crazy.
1: So were you a fan of horror in general or was the did you just like The Monster Squad or was horror a genre that you gravitated to?
4: Horror is my genre through and through, man. I mean, the first movie that scared me shitless was The Shining. Uh, I came home one day and, and it was late at night and my mom's uh, watching The Shining upstairs, and she looks like she saw a ghost, and I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I just watched this movie, and I was like, I love movies, can I watch it? And she said, no, and I said, why? And she said, because I'm worried you're gonna think your dad's gonna kill you. So me and my buddy spent the rest of that week like in a heist film trying to get our hands on The Shining, and we watched it, and for the rest of that winter, I thought my dad was gonna try and kill me.
1: <laughs> We're well, glad to see he didn't. Uh, yeah. to see happy. Have you seen Dr. Sleep?
4: Oh yeah, I saw Dr. Sleep.
1: How'd you feel about it?
4: I liked it. I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan. It's not my favorite Flanagan production, but I I enjoyed the film.
1: So... I can't hear you. What are you waiting you. for?
4: I've been ever entire Shining. I've never seen like that actual entire film. Are, are you protesting or is this <laughs> by choice? <or?
3: laughs> it, uh, it's No, there's no protesting to it or nothing. It's just maybe call it in. I know, wow, this is going to be blast. But it's not about me. It's about y'all. No, so I just kind of, <laughs> if I want, let me put it this way. If I'm ever having trouble falling asleep five minutes into any Kubrick film and I'm out that's just,
4: just even eyes wide shut
3: i've read the i've read the book the shining i read that okay. in like seventh grade great but, uh no I've, I've never seen the film i mean i know like flanagan's style i i appreciate yeah. his style that he does with films like i loved oculus i
4: really did he did oculus right wasn't that him yeah i liked oculus too and yeah. i'm a big fan of hush that, was that great,
3: uh man. and as uh the house on haunted hill or whatever i can see that same template that he does he's fantastic i never saw the shining as far as the film goes so i
4: i everybody's
3: like oh, dr sleep's shit you know it's dr sleep yes yeah, he's dr sleep and i did not even watch it
4: anymore. well i hear people have some time on their hands nowadays so maybe you should throw in a copy I, of this i
3: hear that some people do <laughs> damn i would love to meet them
4: <laughs> yeah
1: henry fan of fan question uh at any point during all this, did you stop uh, pinching yourself to see if you were dreaming?
4: I'm still dreaming, man. Like uh, <laughs> it, It's crazy because uh, I'm not a huge fan of fan documentaries. Uh, but when we went in to make one and we wanted to make one with a different aesthetic and a different lens and make it a little more personal. Uh, I fell in love all over again. It's just uh, hearing everybody's stories about why they love the monster squad and getting this testimonials from everybody that created it. It's such an important film. It's important to the community, the genre, and just getting to be a small part of that is a dream come true. And that, like I said, here I am talking about it with you. I'm still pinching myself.
1: <laughs> so you guys made a whole documentary about fan stories. Which ones stand out the most to both of you guys? Go for it, Andre. Oh, I'm just old news over here. Go ahead. Sorry, Andre.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're back. Oh, I'm back now. I'm okay. I'm
1: out, I'm out of the. I'm out of the <laughs> You've always
3: box. been fine with me. Okay, don't pay attention to him. Oh, it's all
2: Justin, right? Got it. Um, Sorry. You know, I'll tell you. There's, well, it's really all those fan stories were really what kind of inspired and motivated the idea to even think about the concept of a documentary and what would it be about. And it would only be about that connection in these stories. So, boy, to pick one out uh, in particular is, it, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. And I, you know, I don't want to give too much away because I want people to be, you know, uh it, it, like Henry said, it's not a straight fan service doc, you know, and what we were very cognizant of going forward, it's not, hey, here's that big shovel full of nostalgia and then we're out. It's about these people and it's about these fans and everybody can connect to them. So everybody's going to find a relatable story. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, we didn't know what we were in store for, really. I, I knew there was great stories out there. Uh, I had heard you know, hundreds of them and hundreds of them over time. And that's why we wanted to do this. But as we were making it, we found even new stories and, and deeper stories and profound stories. I would probably say if I had to pick one, I'll cheat and pick two. One, you know, one on the, on a, on an emotional side, and one on a lighter side. Uh, probably one with our, with our new good pal Sean Decker. Um, yeah. You, you know, just wait till sort of the, what you know, midway through or almost to the end when we hear Sean's story. It it just took us for a loop and weren't expecting that, and that that just gave this section of the documentary a, a whole new level. And then one of my favorite stories we heard on the road while we were at the 30th anniversary tour with the Alamos, uh, I believe it was in Yonkers and I'm I've got it written down I'm I'm blanking on his name but it was a guy who he had a Stephen King rules shirt on he came up he's like hey man I just got to tell you my story I was like awesome and we didn't have the crew with us at that location they were prepping the next one but i had my phone and so like I, I video this guy in my iphone and we didn't make it into the dock but i want to use it later in some point and i'm blanking on his name right now so forgive me my man but i will get it out there later uh he had uh, you know he had been in the army he was in T- uh, 10th mountain division and he was stationed in, in afghanistan for a couple of uh, tours and he was giving me the backstory that you know how you know kind of one of the things in the army, I guess, is to go and tag all of the porta shitters, you know, that are all over the place. <laughs> you know, with whatever, you know, like your girlfriend's name or you know, some crude joke or something. And he said, "No, I took it a different route, and I went all over Afghanistan. And everywhere I went, in a porta shitter, I put Wolfman's got nards in that thing." <laughs> 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 so I thought that was I thought that was uh, pretty unique and uh oh, who knows maybe a bunch of other soldiers did it too uh which would be kind of rad but uh you know just to know that you know they, they connect with something while they're out there doing something like that to you know have a little connection to home or some some levity uh when things are probably not as uh, comedy when you step out of that you know portage right. but uh I, I like those two stories
4: and one one's in it and one's going to be
2: used later how about you, uh,
4: sean Sean Decker is definitely my favorite story, and it sounds like we're not telling what that story is because people have to see the documentary to find out. Uh, you know, I, you, you want-
2: know, it's it, it's close. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and and talk about it because I think your reaction's uh, is better is better than mine because I kind of threw it at you.
4: Well, it was the last day of shooting. We had shot uh, throughout all the Alamo Draft House tour, where we're basically a roadshow, going from town to town. Uh, and it's late, and we've packed up all the gear. And Andre comes up to me, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm just gonna need you guys to take the cameras out because we got a story here." And when Andre says we got a story, that can mean anything from we have an amazing story to somebody's watched the Monster Squad before. We don't know what we're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> and so we take the camera the cameras out, and there's this nice uh, gentleman named Sean Decker. Uh, And we put them up uh, against a Frankenstein poster and uh, we go through our questions. And I go, Sean, uh, tell us who you are and uh, what your connection with the Monster Squad is. He goes, what's my connection? Well, my name is Sean. I got kicked out of uh, class for drawing. And when I was blank years old, a kid, I forget what the age was. He was 14. uh, 14 years old. I was diagnosed with HIV. And... We had no idea what was happening or when it was coming. And you can tell when I'm operating the camera, when that happens, my camera just dips because my whole body freezes over and I start to get the chills a little uh, because I can see where this story is going. And he talks about how important the monster squad was to him and how it empowered him during this time when he was feeling that his most lonely and it was just remarkable I'm not going to say any more words on it because you got to hear them come out of his mouth to be the most natural experience uh, but it, it really stuck with me.
3: that's pretty humbling I mean that has to, that is such a BS word to use but I can yeah. understand the sentiment when you're talking about when it, to think that something minuscule because yeah. we had talked about that with Andre before about, you know, it's a movie. But you find out mm-hmm. it has, for whatever reason, has had such a huge impact on somebody's life that, you know, it's it's just taken on a whole other life of its own. In fact, it's a movie, but then you hear that somebody, you know, has illness like that. And then it, it just kind of puts, my, at least me, puts my piece yeah. of shit complaints into perspective. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Know, so I, and, it, it's, and at such a young, you know, and at such a young age at that time, of how that was perceived and handled and how that affected you know life as, as a young kid. Um, and it was it, it, it's a very I, I want to say it's a great story. Uh, I wish it wasn't a story, you know uh, right. but it, yeah. uh, it, it, it certainly is something that uh, makes you rethink a lot of things and it, and it certainly centers you. Um, you, you said humbling, you know, that's, that's not, that's not a, an inaccurate word. Uh, I think there's a couple others that could probably be thrown in there and, you know, kind of like you know, smashing and, you know, very, a lot of gravity and something you really think about someone else's experience and how something like a movie can, can uh, be connected with that.
5: And yeah. it's a
4: test testimony on the power of movies, the fact that this kid, so young, had to go through this and this was his day and night and all he could think about. But when he goes and sits in a dark movie theater, he gets to escape with these friends and go and fight the monsters. And that's what he's thinking about at that time. That's powerful stuff. And that's kind of answers the question. When anybody walks up to you and they're like, why do you love a movie so much? Well, here's one reason why we love movies so much.
3: It's another, the curiosity of it, the fact that it's, again it's the monster squad you know it's we're we're close enough in age we we know what star wars is we have been steeped in it growing up you know and it is it's like dungeons and dragons you know dungeons and dragons means different things to different people because we have different memories of being in you know it's a shared name but all of our stories and adventures were different but then when you hear that You know, it was the same thing with the Monster Squad, that escapism. That's, again, like I said, it's kind of, you know, on the one hand, it's got to be humbling, just the fact that you were, like you, Andre, were involved in something that – has grown and has taken on, you know, all this life of its own with a lot of times without you even knowing about it. But then whenever you hear somebody talk about HIV, which I say humbling because it just, and you know, the weight of the situation, because whereas I might be bitching, they don't have the regular coffee, instant coffee on the shelf at Walmart. And I'm just sitting there pissing and complaining. and Oh God, it's so, what the hell is wrong? But then you hear that, you know, somebody battling HIV. It's like, wow, hi, I'm Dan piece of shit and a griping complainer complaining person How are you?
2: <laughs> yeah it it certainly does i mean no matter who you are whether <laughs> you know whether it's coffee or other stuff it certainly puts pers- puts things in perspective and <laughs> uh, i mean he's, he's a great guy you know he's, uh, he's he's awesome his wife's awesome we've seen him many times over the last couple of years and you know we we stay in touch on uh, you know on socials and by email and you know that's the other unique thing is you get to not only meet some of these people but you become you know, acquaintances and friends and pals. And, you know, that, that connection is new and that, that lasts because, the, the, you know, they're important to me just as I am to them for a whole other reason, because they're now a part of a project that, you know, that we worked on. It's, uh, it, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. That.
3: It's cool. My mom, we were, Justin and I were actually talking about this before y'all had hopped on. My mom has mentioned this like with me growing up. She actually says that, you know, it's like a spiritual... You know, you just have spirits that connect. You just you hit it off with people immediately. And, and case in point, most... I say most. A lot of people that I'll chat with, it'll be simple, mindless, vapid conversation. I'm a podcaster. It happens. And then sometimes you'll just chat with people and the conversation comes a lot easier. Case in point, first time I met Andre, all I had to do was whip out Nintendo. Bam. <laughs> we're done. The kindred spirits did just start talking. I met somebody not too long. Justin and I hit it off that way. I mean, it was... Like, wham, bam, next thing you know, we're just – we're talking all the time. It's like we've been old friends. I met somebody on a podcast like a couple months ago. And, I mean, we were fast friends. We're texting every day now. It just – we're fast friends. It just – it happens. And it just – it's cool to know that, like, meeting people over this, hell, (laughs) you you probably got a friends list like a CVS receipt by now with all the (laughs) all the names and stuff. But, I mean, with having that shared passion for it, I imagine it does – it brings out the kindred souls, and a lot of people, I guess, make to meet up with you.
2: Uh, you know, it, it does, and it, especially being in, in you know in my position to be able to connect with people, um, not only that are fans of the movie myself or of things that I have done, um, and then I get to be friends with them. And then once you get to that, it's just you're just friends. It's like all that other stuff you just connect. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also am fortunate enough to. And and I think you know I'm not speaking for Henry, but I've enjoyed watching Henry also have a little uh, a little bit of this new stuff. Like I was going to mention, next is we get to connect with people that we don't know because of this you know connection or you know kindred spirit, and you know they're fans of something that we've done, but we're fans of the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it's almost like a double it goes both ways. And yeah. we've met some really cool people over the last couple of years that you know we may not have we may have run across but not been able to connect or be, you know, be friends with. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I just, uh, you know, one of my <laughs> I was I actually just finally saw host hmm. and I actually saw it with Henry and yeah. uh, I thought it was, you know, I'm way late to the party, but I hadn't seen it yet and I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, I really dug it and I, I now I get to DM with Jed Shepard, who's one of the writers, folks, he was connected with a, a project that everybody on the planet is in love with right now. And right. I'm like, wait, I know that guy. <laughs> like, <he laughs> I can d- we can DM together. It's pretty rad. And uh, we get to connect that way only because of you know connected and kindred spirits and 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 technology, yeah. um, and because of Monster Squad and and the Squad Doc and things like that. So it it's pretty neat. And I don't know. I mean, I I could ask Henry like, who's Who's some cool people that we've met over the last couple of years that we wouldn't have got to if we weren't roaming around the world doing this.
4: Well, just uh you're DMing the guy from host. Just don't do any Zoom conversations with him like that.
2: I I tried to stay away from those puns, but they're hard cuz they're so easy and fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> Speaking uh, of the
2: squ-
1: go ahead and I mean interrupt you.
4: Oh, uh, I was just going to answer his question real quick. Uh it's just crazy that since working on the project I've like cultivated a relationship with fred decker and <laughs> nice we we hang out and we work on things and uh i never thought that would ever happen but What's crazy about the fandom of the Monster Squad is even though it's about some boys that meet up in a clubhouse, the fandom is a clubhouse because there's fans all over the country and the world. And they're inspired one way or another. So they're creating their own personal projects and they're all bringing something to the table. Uh, The movie that we made is scored by a fan somebody makes music and makes music very very well and he approached uh he approached andre and andre shared the song with me and i was like we we need him to do the whole soundtrack (laughs) and we started chatting back and forth Uh, There's fan art that is our animated bits uh, and chapter headings and titles in the movie, and it's all made by fans, illustrated by them. It's just there's so many artists that are coming out of this pop culture world being inspired by the movies they grew up on, and now they're putting it into their art. And I think that's a pretty special space to be a
1: part of. Right. I just want to stay with the squad dot real quick. Uh, I haven't seen the documentary, obviously, but you guys said why not? Well, you guys are a little late late on that. I would have loved to have seen it. You could, you could have sent me a screener beforehand and we could have talked about it. <laughs> that's,
3: that's true. That's our bad. <laughs> yeah, you're bad for not sending us free shit.
1: Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so uh, you wanted to be more than a companion piece to the Monster Squad uh, and showcase the relationship between uh, cult films and fans. So now that it's over... What conclusions have you two made about that connection?
4: I, I'm waiting for you, Andre.
1: I was waiting for you. <laughs> um, damn, that was like a deep question. Yeah, for um
4: real. What the hell? God, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to ask you to rephrase the question. Okay, rephrase, rephrase it. it. You, you, can phone a repeat. you can phone a Re- Repeat there. it.
1: Re- Re- okay. <laughs> All right.
4: Ahead. So you made go the ahead.
1: documentary about the right. connection between uh, cult films and their fans, right? So yeah. just in case you haven't seen the Monster Squad, you can still relate to the doc. So now that you guys have done the documentary, uh, what to uh, what connections have you guys drawn about that connection? The relation. Well, you know,
2: I yeah, we we go into the cult, uh, the the question, you know, fairly fairly deep. Uh, you know, what is cult? uh has is cult always the same thing does it change uh what is it now what was it then uh is monster squad a cult film or is it a cult classic or just a classic and it's all perspective of the individual and i think is what we've what i've come to take out of it and you know we've we've i've been asked this question numerous times on is monster squad a cult film and what's interesting is i i i don't know i leave it to the fans and 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 the people to decide. I will say Monster Squad is not a cult film, but it's a cult classic now. <laughs> so, you know, I kind, of, I kind of use both sides of it just because it's such a unique... It fits in a weird space because cult, you, you know, used to be this thing where only a, a certain group of people like it or they didn't do well. And like, there's a, a, a loyal kind of following towards it that's kind of odd. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, that fits a little bit with Monster Squad, but not with the fans that originally saw it or love it. They're like, this isn't, cult, this was just my favorite movie yeah. of yeah. all time and affect me. I don't, don't call it anything. It's just my favorite movie. Right. And now that we're older, it's a classic. I think it's in a very, very unique position because it impacted kids for a certain way for doing things that weren't being done at the time. But it was also right in that kind of sweet spot, that, that kind of cherry spot of timing of what it handled, how it handled it, what it did, what it showed, practical effects, going into visual effects in the digital age, kind of right where it was bridging over. And I honestly think on many aspects, the story in the film of Monster Squad and the way it was executed on screen was a turning point and affected a lot of stuff going forward. Uh even if it wasn't direct lifts or rip, you know, not saying anybody ripped anything off, but it I think it was right at that time where things were changing and it was one of the things that helped change the game on a lot of levels. And so therefore, I think it, it has a couple different definitions. I think what's interesting with cult, when you go into, is it cult or, you know, it's a weird thing that's odd that, you know, these odd people like, it's like, who's not odd? Like <laughs> you can find someone that you don't think odd and they find something like, oh, you're, that's odd. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I love your pleated shorts and your whale belt and your, you know, your Crocs that everybody wears to, but. You've got something that's like, no, it doesn't matter what you wear or what you watch, what you do, you're going to find someone, you, you think you're very mainstream, you've got something that someone's going to consider odd that you you might be like, hey, I'm not that odd. But you find people that enjoy it to the same way. And that's what's interesting about Monster Squad and the fan base is they they come together because of it and build relationships and build a community, a legion of you know fans that is completely different than just,
4: you know, liking a sports team or something.
2: And... I find that very unique in this in, this, in this situation with this movie and its fan base.
4: I think there's a level of counterculture to cult and uh, I definitely think that it needs an audience of risk takers. So if you think about like Rage Against the Machine was supposed to start performing again uh, this year, going to that concert would be a much different concert than going to Rage Against the Machine in the 90s. And so oh, yeah. you, I would be one of those angry fans like, man, these are all, carbon copies they don't know what it's like to be in real cards or anything <laughs> like that uh, and those risk takers are the ones that make cult films uh very special it starts off where monster squad plays to an empty theater in 1987 and then 20 to 30 years later it plays uh, out the house and there's lines around the corner uh at the same time Now we have things like Stranger Things and everything in Hollywood is doing 80s nostalgia when apparently it wasn't supposed to be cool in the 80s, and now it is. It's because there's these risk takers and this counterculture that's dialed in to be the first one to say, I know this is special. I know this is cool. I'm going to be in a select club where we only know this is cool, and eventually all of you will catch up and realize how cool this thing is. And uh, that's what I've always looked at for the cult film.
3: Like, it just—I never considered Monster, because I was seven when. But I never, even now, would never consider Monster Squad back then a cult. Because I told Andre before. That movie ruled the playground, the barometer for your, sure. your scale of success, okay? In my life, from my perspective, the way I saw it, it was yeah. how much it was your currency, your stock trade value on the uh, playground. So you have certain things like Contra, Metal Gear, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rambo, Dolph Lundgren, you know, who's going to win in a fight kind of thing, who would win Freddy versus Jason. Monster Squad owned the playground, and that was just I saw it. I can I just have fun. I don't ever have like this. I'm not exciting. I had this life changing story or whatever. It'd do shit for what I watched it and I just had a happy time whenever I watched it. it. Just it reminds me of whenever I was a little kid with that brown carpet and mm-hmm. then the brown panel walls and the TV that you clunk over to change the channels and. Right. Uh, Randy, the monster squad. I remember the monsters are really cool. I remember the story was sinister. The movie was playful and yet the story is really sinister. So now that I think about it in the audio dramas that I write and stuff, the way I write and compose my music, actually, yeah, that probably did have some psychological thing with, it. but on the whole, I never saw it as a cult film because me and like I said, everyone on the playground was like, hell yeah, it's monster squad. You know, that movie the shit. It right. just, you know, I now, yeah, it's a cult classic for sure because apparently I was a nerd. And, <laughs> and, and yours,
4: your, your playground and my playground was different from a lot of other people's playgrounds. Apparently they, were playing, they, they were playing the goonies while we were playing monster squad.
3: Let's well, see. I did too. This, it yeah. was just like I said, I hadn't, I was just consuming all of it. I was just that bright-eyed little dumbass hopping around, enjoying everything. Monster squad. Hi goonies hey <laughs> that was me i'm the poorest judge of any kind of status for your thing whatever just this is how i graded it is it awesome yes yeah, badass up oh, there you go see school
2: well now i kind of now i just want to get all of us and then all of your old schoolyard pals and like go to that schoolyard and like hang out let's do that I'm, okay <laughs> i'm
3: game i'm still friends with like all three of them
1: <laughs> let's let, let them.
2: like i
3: said well, let's I'm do a it a nerd i'll we'll do it
1: you'll make us the
2: coolest <laughs> kids in school you know that hey, you dude. know i know your neck of the woods you know I'm, I'm i you know i i know i know the area
3: you've already um, made me the trust oh, me, yeah, trust oh yeah trust me i told to everybody like, yeah it's like we're a <laughs> like, podcast i'm in the freaking monster squad did you know he comes to augusta oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Pretty much BFS at this point. Hey, yeah, it's like, <laughs> he don't even oh, yeah. know
3: it, but yeah, we're like best friends. <laughs> I'll call him right now. I mean, I can't because my phone's almost dead, but I'll call him.
2: That's <laughs> fine. And, you know, Henry likes wings and beer. We'll go to the Wild Wing Cafe right there, uh, you know, Washington Road.
4: Build-A-Burn and we'll yeah. load
2: up on, on wing night.
4: I just I'll go. To, to, I'll, I'll go to the Wild Wing thing, but I don't want to be part of the grown men at the schoolyard thing.
1: Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about it. Didn't think that one out. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no. No, it's just. Way to
2: way to way to make it weird.
1: Yeah. Anyway, back to the interview. So, how do you, uh, Fred Decker? Uh, <laughs> Is it fair to say that, I think you said last time you hear Andre, that he had a rocky relationship with the movie, a bit, or a different relationship than you guys had with the movie. Has, has the documentary and seeing all the success over the years and the lingering of the movie, has he softened his stance a little or changed his stance? You know, I I, I think it's certainly
2: different. I don't know if it's changed one way or the other. Or it's just changed maybe, you know, just the impact, you know, almost Heisenberg, you know, Heisenberg physics. You know, it's once you observe something, you know, you, you change it or it changes you. And um, I, I hope so. I mean, I think Henry and I, we always kind of, you know, would have afterthought conversations about this or that and, you know, what the impact would be. We knew the fans would like it. We always wanted, you know, Fred to watch this documentary at the end and see it and understand the impact that his story and he had on so many people, including us. You know, it's not just you know a pocket of people that didn't see the movie in '87. It is a lot of people. Uh, now, granted, he does have a complicated relationship with this movie, and he's the only one that can have that. We have that in 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 the documentary. It's 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 probably you know going from start to finish one of the best threads that go through all is 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 Fred's interview. And um, I you know I'll let Henry take it from here on on the on the Fred connection because you know he comes at it from a different perspective and um and, and, and kind of sums it up very well
4: well fred's always loved the monster he's a big fan of the monster squad he just doesn't love how it was perceived uh back in 1987 and if you guys could just put yourself in the director's shoes. No one makes a movie to play for empty audience. And so that when you are putting your days into something, your heart and your soul, uh, and really trying to make the best uh, product you can and you release it onto the world and you don't think anybody's taking a look at it, that's hard Uh, and that weighs down. So when we were reaching out to Fred, Uh, we didn't know if we were going to get him for the documentary. There is a cut of this film with no Fred Decker because his interview didn't happen until towards the end. And eventually when we spoke with Fred, we gave him the spiel and we talked about how it wasn't going to be your basic fan documentary and this is just why people love movies. And if he's ever fallen in love with the movie, then he'd understand why this documentary needs to get made. And then Andre sent him a 30 minute edit. We made a short version of the documentary for Fantastic. And he sent him that version. And the next day, Fred called Andre up and invited us over to go do the interview. And if you, when you watch the documentary and you look at the interview, it's bright day when we start. And at the end of the interview, it's nighttime. The sun has completely set. So that goes to show you somebody that was a little apprehensive to have his interview and talk about the Monster Squad because of whatever feelings were going on at that time. When we were in there, he was inspired, he was passionate, and all he wanted to do was talk about it. And it was a great experience. Uh, And I can say for now, since the documentary, I don't know if it's because of the documentary or not, but since Fred has been very inspired and kept that inspiration going, and he's working on a lot of great, exciting things. That's definitely.
3: It wasn't touch night of the, also.
1: And oh,
4: I had
3: never, yeah, I had never seen it. That was one of those that just, you know, flew by and just I had never watched it. And so I actually watched it. And I, and it just, it felt like it's like, yeah, I could feel the guy from Monster Squad actually doing this. And uh, yeah, I had, I had no problem with it. <laughs> Yeah. Again, it's just history, I guess it's just different, you know, perspective at all. It just, man, it just sucks. I'm glad he was able to get the catharsis. At least he's still inspired. I know the whole thing about doing things nobody pays attention to. It's like, well, shit, eventually it starts weighing you down. You nailed yeah. that one on the head, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, can, and, you know,
4: I, I can relate too.
2: <laughs> no, no doubt. Um Uh, I mean, I think we all can understand that too. But, you know, in in the case of, you know, I don't know if there was some catharsis or, you know, some kind of, you know, detachment from, you know, something negative or, you know, whatever, I don't know. Um, I, I hope so because that was always sort of a little bit of you know something you know that was orbiting around us while we were trying to do it that we were we're striving for and hoping would be you know some smattering in, in you know the end result. Um, first of all, we just wanted to make a we wanted to get the movie done and and get it made and get it delivered you know at some point, and then then you want to make it good, uh, and we did um, you know mainly because you know Henry was you know driving most of the the, the story and the shooting and the editing and really crafted you know what we were I was trying to throw at everybody constantly what I knew was out there and how do we you know vacuum up all of this information and um I I think it's because Henry knocked it out of the park when you know we're selecting shoots and and, and edits and you know he crafted this great story that you know we worked on and then he'd go in a dark dark cave for you know hours yeah. and days at a time and then come out with uh you know a new version or a new section and it just weaves together that um, i think a, a testament to that connection that henry had and the zeal and the, and the and the love he had for monster squad and his talent as a storyteller and a filmmaker and 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 to to weave everything that we this movie this documentary has got a lot in it let me tell you i mean there is you are it, once it starts it continues but you don't you don't you don't realize it and it plays. It doesn't play like a normal documentary because uh, it certainly. Yeah, I always start off. I you mentioned you know this is not a this is not a making of doc. This is not a where are they now documentary. Uh, it, it's not. Uh, it's and it's certainly not like a, you know that that here's that spoonful of nostalgia just straight fan service doc. Which those are fine and those are certainly fun. We we love to absorb that and go back. This, this is something different. And it, it you know it took the. It it took the creativity and the and the and the acumen of everybody involved, which was very small, very small amount of people had their hands on this movie. Mostly Henry. We have that result of it playing not like a document, it plays like a narrative story, and it's got setups and payoffs, like Henry likes to say, and uh, it, it really does uh, tell a story and takes you on a ride.
3: I was gonna ask that, like, how do you did you intentionally set out to make this follow a narrative structure i'm just kind of the only documentary that i can think of off the top of my head which is actually one of the best documentaries i've ever seen what the uh the king of kong my god in heaven that movie was so freaking cool when it came out and like yeah. even now i could just, i told my son because he's 16 and i told him it's was like dude you should watch that documentary that is one of the best it just follows a narrative like how do you do that <laughs> for even if it's like and like you say it's it's a, a fan documentary you know it's just it's not like a beat you over the head this is a make it go documentary of the monster squad you know this is about this is more about the fans and the people and their shared experiences of what they feel about the film than it is actually about the film itself So how the hell do you make a movie following some kind of narrative structure like that? Did you have that planned out or did it just
4: happen? Uh, The answer to that question is yes. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Uh,
4: You can't predict everything, uh, nor should you be able. If you predict everything going into a documentary, don't make the documentary because it's not going to be very interesting because you already know how it's going to be. However, we did paper everything out. Andre and I spent months uh, at Idle Hour and other bars, even though we don't drink, just talking about the movie and our ideas for it. And then I put it down on paper, and we had our rough outline of how everything's going to go. Then reality set and we went and got in the back of airplanes and minivans and drove and went across the world and America and started shooting everything. But we shot everything in a sort of chronological order. So we were shooting for the edit. We would notice that we captured something here. Wouldn't that be great if we got that payoff down the line when we over in this state? This question really resonated well. Let's try asking this a few more times. Hey, the Alamo upstairs, has a 35 millimeter projector. What if we started using film as an aesthetic for this documentary and shot things through the projector and just like really using what was around us. All these fans have toys. What if we start making their rooms and their living spaces characters and shooting through their doorways and things like that. And it all started coming together. And like, we couldn't, we talked about the Sean Decker, story. we couldn't predict that story. That story happened at the very end, on the very last day. We were done with the documentary and then that got added in. We didn't know if Fred was gonna make it. Then that got added in. We didn't know if we were gonna get Adam F. Goldberg, who is a great friend of ours. That got added in. And it's all about just the narrative was always expanding and was also being very malleable to
1: what we were doing. Is it safe to say that everyone that worked on the documentary was a genuine fan of the Monster Squad? 100%. You think that has a lot to do with why it was received so well? Uh
4: Andre, why don't you talk about some of the fans on uh on the crew?
1: Yeah, you know, I think
2: that's su- a, a super important aspect is because uh, like I said we had a we had a very small, f- you know, footprint of uh, individuals that actually worked on this film. And, you know, that production team was led by Henry and Wes Caldwell and Aaron Kunkel and Shane Patterson. And uh, we had uh, Esteban on the road, you know, as, as as a run and gun shooter. And we had access to these cool people that had all had a connection or had seen Monster Squad, liked it, understood what we were trying to do. And no one was there just as like a Oh, I don't know. We're making this thing. It's about a movie I've never heard about, and you know I've got to do this and hold the camera and then put some audio in or something. And you know that happens quite a bit in the film industry. You know, uh, you know, even back in the you know the, the studio days, like it would go through the. You know, through the departments, and no one would care. It's just the next movie coming out, and the editor would be like, "I'm doing my editing job," and you know, the sound designer would be like, "I'm just doing my sound design. It's supposed to be, you know, this. Okay, uh, it's a bunch of guys in Roman times with chariots. It's supposed to be cool. You know, Ben Hur, Ray, whatever. What I would care what the title is um, that wasn't this case. I mean, it, it was a, like I said, a very small handful of people. They all had a connection to it. They all cared about it. They all had their own story and understood everybody else's stories. And I think, I don't know, Henry, you can tell me about everybody else because you guys experienced a lot of the people separate from, I, from myself because I was off busy. On the other side, and I'd throw someone at you like Sean, but we'd all get together and I think everybody even had a deeper appreciation of their connection to, during and after we got to make this documentary film. And I think that's interesting too. Uh, I think experience changes you no matter what it is but when it's for the good i, I you know I, I think that's better and hopefully it was for the good from all the guys that worked on it I hope you know they they're not I don't think anybody's resentful or hated working on it for the year yeah. that we busted it out because uh, we all still hang out and we talk to each other unless they're just totally bullshitting me but I don't think they are because we get together and have good laughs but um yeah I think that was super important and and then the people that didn't necessarily, i mean even, even people that weren't on the day-to-day, per- but like in the office, like Eric Lakowski or something like that, or you know, they they all had these great connections, and it, it, and then their kids are fans of the squad now, and the doc is something special to them, even though all they were doing was their day job. This. Th- this experience connected and, and impacted them as well. So I think that's really cool. And I'm glad to be a part of something like that that people can talk
4: about. It never felt like work and the crew would attest. They they never thought they were clocking in because they were looking forward to going and working on them. I was working over 12 hour days a lot. And then I was cutting through Christmas vacation and Christmas day. And never once had a complaint because I was just so excited to work on the move. And uh, it helped. The answer to your question, did it have something to do with it? It had everything to do with the fact that they were fan. Absolutely.
1: I can imagine that was very exciting for you working on that. Just from a fan perspective, I, I think I'd have the same mentality. 14-hour days, you know, let's wake up early. Let's, uh, let's get back at it tomorrow.
2: Yeah, let me tell you, Justin, the the luster of me being the kid that wears off (laughs) quick for these guys, you know, I think I'm worth about with something. So, you know, I at least take that with with, with an understanding of, uh, you know, I'm sure there's sometimes there was a, you know, a boomstick behind me or something, you know, waiting to, you know, club me over the head, maybe. No. Uh, I remember the, you know, what I do, we were on the road and we were in Corpus Christi and, um, you know, we had been on the road. I'd only been a couple of days, but everybody's exhausted already. And I said, Henry, you know, it'd be awesome. And he's like, oh my God, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I've probably said that a, a thousand times until then. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I said, you know, we're right here on the Gulf of Mexico. And what's crazy is uh, Hurricane Harvey was about a half a day away. <laughs> oh. uh, and we were being chased by Harvey for like four or five days. And I said, let's get up. Before sunrise, and let's see if we can get like a sunrise on the Gulf of Mexico from the coast of southern Texas. And Henry went, what? Hey, yeah, that could be kind of (laughs) cool. I knew there was a little pause there. He's like, man, it's like one in the morning right now. And you're thinking of this shit. (laughs) And you know what? But we, Henry and I, it was only Henry and I, we got up and we didn't know where to go. We didn't know exactly a great spot, but we went and I thought we were going to miss that window. And... I, we were going to stop one place and I just keep going a little bit further. And then we got on our bridge and another water and I was like, shit, we're going to miss this. And we found the perfect spot. And Henry, we trucked out there in our shorts. And like, I think we had flip flops on or something and uh, waited out there in this, And the water was like glass on the Gulf. It was like glass and there was perfect cloud that central casting, apparently like Henry called and uh, or, ordered this cloud that was off on the horizon. And we did a stop motion thing. And, you know, we, we got this sunrise, uh, It it works great with this little lilt, little little trilling of the of the score as we go through, and it's a great shot. I'm so glad I made him
4: wake up at like four in the morning to go get that shot. If the director wants the shot, the director gets the shot.
1: I'm just imagining Henry now, like in his head, just saying, this is Sean from Monster Squad. This is Sean from Monster Squad. This is Sean from Monster Squad. Yeah. Don't <laughs> go.
2: Oh, no. By that time, he's saying, oh, my God, this is Andre who made me quit soda and only drink tea now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I converted another one. He's an iced tea guy now. So I'm I'm happy. Yeah, it's true. That's true.
4: That's
1: <laughs> true. So you guys started working on this thing before COVID, and then you know that that pretty much affected everybody. What kind of complications did uh, you guys go through to finally get this thing out?
2: Well, I mean, the quick backstory there is is we had had this movie delivered and ready uh, last summer, honestly, and because we actually had another deal in the works, and uh, for some reason that uh, well, I know the reasons, but uh, for some you know for specific reasons that deal didn't end up happening, and we found that out right when COVID. Was starting, mm-hmm. and so not only did that deal not happen, uh, we had to start from scratch and 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 start from square one. Already being six or seven months delayed from the other one, so now that you know that timeline's going even longer and longer, and now we're in the pandemic situation, and everything's either shut down or or, or whatnot. So it was a little difficult, but you know we ended up with a great release uh, partner in uh, Gravitas Ventures, who I almost think uh, everything worked out good or maybe better because in this time and we had that certain window, we had to get that deal done rather quickly because there was like a three month window that you had to have that solidified because it was a a VOD window that's about 90 days. And so we had to get this done in June or July on paper to make sure it could even release anywhere near October. Otherwise, it, it would have been pushed to November. And that would have sucked. I think. I I think our timing works out really well. I think the fact that everything's still kind of shut down. uh, I think this is a great time. And 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 hopefully people one order it or pre-order it or rent it or you know order the Blu-ray from Amazon, pre-order it from iTunes, or wait till the twenty seventh wherever you get you know your VOD stuff because it's like twenty two or twenty four different platforms that you can get it on uh and enjoy it and the most but, important thing is uh, but if get they tell on iTunes get
4: it huh? on iTunes yeah but get I mean, it on yeah. iTunes
2: <laughs> it's uh you know and and hopefully they they get it they enjoy it and most importantly sort of like the history of monster squad they share it with their friend and then that friend goes and watches it or gets it or and then tells another friend you know we got to get back on the schoolyard with you guys you know and it's and, and spread the word so uh mm-hmm. that's what's the only thing that's going to make this this documentary a success out there is the fans who it's about they're in it and we made it for and they're then be the ones that get it out to the world.
1: I mean the Monster Squad fans have a have a history of spreading the word. I think you'll be good.
2: <laughs> I, I I hope so. I, and and we love them the death it, it certainly is a unique dynamic w- with with that whole crowd. Um I don't know if boy, you did have to make me a pretty good offer to trade to trade them.
1: <laughs> Goonies fans. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, Goonies fans are awesome. They're great because you know a lot of Goonies fans are Monster Squad fans, and the Goonies are great. Fun movie. I, I auditioned for it. I would have loved to have been in it. Right, but you know we 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 talked about that. You know it's you know the Goonies are great. They saved their neighborhood from the developer. It's great. Yeah.
1: So please tell me, are there any special features on the physical copies? There are physical copies. Uh, apparently
2: on this run, no. Uh, <laughs> We'll edit this uh, and That's, that's okay. not our de- that's not our decision or or, or my decision. Um, it, it's uh, but there may be another uh, you know way to way to get it. Henry Henry and I worked. Uh, I worked like I he worked. We I tried worked. to insert myself in the in in the in the, in the hard parts. Uh, there's there they are sixty minutes of cool extra features that which you know range from extended interviews to uh, you know little short films and vignette fun things and a music video that henry made uh you know that eventually we'll get to share with everybody um i i don't have the physical copy in front so i don't know if it's technically on there or not i don't i don't think it is but don't fret enjoy the movie and then uh you know we'll we'll get you the those extra bits in some way shape or form we'll forgive you for now i it's it's, (laughs) it's not me i it's honestly i'm not trying to you know, pass the blame. It's not, that was not <laughs> my... Uh, there's my, really,
5: no, no.
4: there's really no shade thrown in this subject whatsoever, but it's interesting for all those creators out there. The, there's just no decision-making when it comes to releasing the special features. So we've been uh, very grateful and are just super excited that the movie is going out there and everybody gets a chance to see Wolfman's got It's a
1: documentary. Daniel, if you're talking, you're muted. I can see you like screaming, but I can't hear you. Nothing.
4: Can't hear you. Did you mute him? No. Is I don't, that possible? I don't think so.
1: Let me see if I muted him. Nope. I don't know what's going on. Oh Re- no. reboot, reboot. It's flashing oh, back.
4: All right. He says he's unmuted now. He's trying to talk.
1: I think I just heard you for a split second. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post.
4: This is host, dude. You're gonna get killed by a demon. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> He's already got that weird shit going on in the background.
2: Like I'm scared. <laughs>
1: there you go. And then your, hey, you then your laugh just cuts get back, get back. in your evil laugh. That's, oh.
4: even,
2: that's even worse.
4: That's even of Probably switched to the or- Aurora Borealis is going to attack you. Right.
2: I don't think that's the Aurora Borealis. I think that's like a fucking ghost. <laughs> <laughs> now and it's muted. You again. he's, he's stealing his voice. It's like, uh, that's insane.
4: Uh, well, uh, Andre, you are trained in killing monsters. Are you trained in killing ghosts?
2: Uh, yes, that comes with the package. Um, it's it's, it's, <laughs> the it's, package. it's sort of it's usually an add-on, but since I know these guys will take care, of, you know, we'll we'll throw it in.
1: It's we good. can't hear okay. you now, Daniel. So stop.
3: Cursing. You can thank God. <laughs> As you're talking about my package.
2: This aura glow is my mainly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I
3: love
2: it. It's I,
3: we call it the radness. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know what the hell happened, to Mike. No, nah, I just wanted to this whole time. I wanted to do is just be like, when was the movie coming out? Because you said it, but I want to make sure you uh, everybody at home knows when does it come out. It October goes October 27th release on
2: VOD. What Henry said, October 27th. Uh, you can catch it wherever your favorite VOD. Whether you get it from your cable provider or Dish Network or iTunes, uh, Amazon. Uh, you can order the physical Blu-ray from Amazon.com and a few other retailers on the 27th. Uh, you know, and if you're that's a U.S. and Canada release right now. So, you know, jump on it tell a friend tell your cousin
1: tell your mummy <laughs> your mummy's in my house
4: if you're british <laughs> if you're british we're working on it mate just hold on a sec we're working That's on right it. all
2: of our UK fans are going absolutely bonkers because they can't get it just yet and I'm, it's, it's the next step i i i hopefully promise uh we're working on it because uh i our UK fans are absolutely amazing.
3: All right, well, I have to ask it. Angelique wasn't able to join us tonight, so I will go ahead at the question. We didn't get to ask you last time. I will ask you. Okay. You're, you're fixing to watch The Monsters. Fixing to watch a movie. What is your go-to movie? Like your favorite? What do you reach for when it's time to watch a movie? What
2: snack do you... That's a good question. Uh, there's probably two, depending on how good I'm being... I like it. Uh, ...on, on uh, what I'm putting into my face-wise. I am... Uh, I love a snack. I, I like raw peanuts and dark chocolate. So raw peanuts Ooh. and dark chocolate is a good trip. Uh, is a good snack. Mm-hmm. And I am also a, uh, I love peanut butter filled pretzels. <laughs> you know, nuggets. That's a good movie snack. Um, I'm also a, um, I'm a black licorice fan. So uh, I, I like black licorice if I'm, um, but the other thing, like with the, the peanuts and the chocolate chips and the peanut butter filled pretzels, I, I can't stand when people are making noise While eating, while watching a movie. (laughs) So I tried to, maybe I'll just go with the soft liquor.
1: (laughs) That's the worst, isn't it? I'm that
2: guy that complains in the theater. I'm like, really, dude? Really? (laughs) Well,
4: get a straw, jackass! (laughs) Back in the day, I used to be all about a bag of Sour Patch Kids and a Mellow Yellow. And the reason why I get the Mellow Yellow is because I hated the green and yellow Sour Patch Kids. So as I was eating them during the movie, I would put the green and yellows in the Mellow Yellow. Oh, my goodness. So by the time we got to the end of the flick, we have Mellow Yellow-flavored Sour Patch Kids, and that's why I'm 280 pounds. So <laughs> now I would probably just go with uh, – I like the old-school Whoppers. Remember those? Oh, yep. God. The Mul- Too
2: loud. <laughs>
1: I like circus peanuts, but I never hear anyone else that like. Never found anyone else that likes circus peanuts.
2: Well, yes. that's right behind candy corn, Justin. I, think. I know.
1: I, I get, <laughs> I get burned at the stake for liking candy corn and circus peanuts. You wait. You like candy corn too. Hey, you know corn. what?
2: I'll I'll dig that because you're different. And we take the misfits around here. I like people that are different. We're okay with that. I, I can't with corn. the candy corn though. I can't I with the to candy take corn.
3: It, Stick it in no, your mouth like vampire things. <laughs> I never
2: did that. <laughs> no one likes black licorice either. So Justin, you and I are cool here. We're good.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll take some black licorice and some candy corn to the Wild Wing Cafe next time you come. Not along. at the
4: same time. <laughs> Just not at the same time. Wait, Damn. so what's your what's yours? Daniel. Yeah, Justin.
1: I was well, what's yours, Daniel.
3: I don't know. The old me, I mean, I just don't. I like movie theater popcorn. And as a connoisseur of popcorn, because I had tried all different kinds and all different packages through all the decades, they just never make it the way the theater had it. You just had yeah. that drowning in the butter. Like, you got to sit there, macho man, elbow that lever to get that <laughs> butter. All the Oh, yeah! <laughs> Getting all that oil to go out on the popcorn. Nah, No, that's, that's about it. I like the nacho, whatever. Man, watching a movie for me is like a dinner theater.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, I don't have to like
3: just the snack. I like the entree and then I like to have the snack and then the dessert and then the imperative. So, I, you know, I like the full course of it. <laughs> I'm a glutton when it comes to
4: I read that uh, some of the movie theaters in the pandemic right now are actually bagging up their popcorn and selling them to cars as they drive by. And I thought that was pretty cool just as a way to get some money. Yeah. It's really sad what's happening to movie theaters right now. And I'm hoping that. After the pandemic's over, they all bounce back. But it's cool to see what's happening with the drive-ins. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's cool. We've got the Big Mo here. I don't know if you heard of that one. It's out in. Oh God! If you hadn't mentioned it, Andre, I could have told you the name. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, it's just it's called the Big Mo, and that's been around for a long time.
1: Yeah, drive-ins
2: are honestly my favorite thing in movie. I wrote my college paper on. I wrote my senior paper. for my communications degree at unc asheville uh you know on the drive-in movie theater which had never been done in the department before and the problem was there was no reference material that talked about the goddamn drive-in movie theater this is back (laughs) this is pre-internet days of course you had to order books from other libraries or whatever and there was just (laughs) nothing so i got marked down like a half a letter grade because i didn't have enough citable sources in my senior paper Uh, and yeah, and so uh, thanks, Kathy Mitchell. She was the head of the department. I still remember your name. Um, the uh, but the only book that I sourced most shit on was from Joe Bob Briggs. So he helped me uh, graduate college. So was, <laughs> dang, and and, and, and and I have thanked him and told him that personally. And he was on my podcast with Ryan Lambert, and I gave him that story. That's What's your podcast? But, yeah,
1: Andre, you have a podcast. Uh, Ryan
2: Lambert and I used to have a podcast a couple years ago called uh, called Squadcast.
1: Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Was it still? But going no, on? I
2: love Henry. Henry. Henry nailed on it. I love the drive-in. I love that it's coming back. I think what's interesting is that it's keeping that kind of community feel. Away. I don't think it's going to go away after everything's re. And, uh, even if the theater theaters don't make it through, I think the drive-in's still going to be. And I couldn't be happier. That's one of my favorite. I just I love the concept of it. It's 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 such Americana. It's such wide open spaces. You know, big sky, big room. You know, big Justy parking lots and everybody from all over coming and sitting in that kind of you know parking lot and make it into a theater uh, is just kind of it's just kind of neat. And I go back to the day we used to have a little tin
1: box in the window. That was terrible. (laughs) Uh, Henry, before we let you guys go, uh, we spent way too much time talking about Atari with Andre last time. Were you a gamer growing up?
4: Uh, Yes and no. I never got to own a video game system, so I was the kid that would go over to friends' houses to poach their video game system. Yeah. And the one I'm probably most familiar with is the N64.
2: Nice. See, you're cooler than me because I never had any. My last one was the first Nintendo. Oh man, that's the last There's system I ever wrong. had. I was I had to go to friends' houses too.
3: There's nothing wrong with that at all.
2: No. Nope. Awesome, guys. Uh, I've got to actually jump. I've got another thing coming up. But what I want to do is can we all come back and talk after you've seen them? Anytime. Oh, yeah. Anytime. You, you, you guys got to be that? fun. That's all right.
1: We'll do part three. Now get out of yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, if that's okay with you, let's do <laughs> it. And, you know, we'll oh, stay. Like, like,
2: seriously. Whenever. <laughs> You're always Well, welcome. let's. We'll, we'll go. We'll. We'll. What I'd love to do is go sit on the on the veranda at the Partridge Inn and do the do the show. What I love. May you ki- do, okay, they may. They right. may. They may kick us out. Oh yeah. <laughs> bring it on. When you get so, down, we'll, we'll just have to go, to, go to the. We'll have to go to the Holiday Inn on uh, Fort Gordon Highway and mess around there. They'll allow us in that one. <laughs> <laughs> they'll allow anything. I have stayed there multiple times. Like I said, they'll allow anything. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate you having us, no. and um, let's thank you it again, so much. You know, very seriously. Soon. Thank
3: you very much. Yeah, y'all go do your thing. We'll do do the little episode wrap. Yeah, we got you. See you next
1: time, gentlemen.
5: Meeting adjourned.
1: If you're still listening, thank you. And make sure to stay tuned for Angelique's chat with Dracula himself, Duncan Rager, coming up right about now.
0: Oh my goodness! Again, it's such a great pleasure to get to speak to you. You know, you've you've impacted all of our lives here.
5: <laughs> well, I and hope in a good way, whatever. <laughs> yes, in a yeah. very
0: good way. Uh, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now uh, without you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so I just have you know a few questions. I don't want to keep you too long, so that you're getting ready for your art show. Um, the documentary is coming out now. men's gotten got NARS in a couple of weeks. Um, have you heard a lot of the buzz about that? Are you excited to see?
5: I've heard, I've seen some of it um, mm-hmm. a, a year ago or two a, two years ago perhaps some of the, the work that they were on the documentary. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you know, I haven't heard much about it since. What it, what is the buzz? Tell me.
0: <laughs> oh well it's um finally being, you know, widespread release It's coming out on on Blu ray and on, on digital. Right. Um uh, we actually spoke to Andre uh a couple of months ago. And right. we'll be actually having him on um next uh to talk about the release you You're welcome to join if you'd like. <laughs> It'd be great to get all you guys together. But uh, it's got you know the Started Instagram and showing a lot of pictures, a lot of art, everything like that. So
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's going to be good. I can't wait to see it.
5: Yeah, we did a thing, or he did a thing, rather, with his partner in um, Austin. It was Austin, Texas, um, sort of all met up and had a grand party. It was good fun. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Well, so I'd like to ask you, um, Mr. Rick I'm, I'm going to call you Mr. Rick <laughs> We were curious to know, you know, you were well seasoned actor had been working, still working. Um, you were wondering what your perspective on the movie was. Did you see the, the combo for the storm? Did you see the fervor the that was bubbling up underneath?
5: I, um, you know, at the time it was a job. You know, that's sort of how I looked at it. I mean, it was a lot of fun to play the part and, you know, sort of base it on this traditional film type of Dracula that was probably established by Bela Lugosi, various others, and, you know, to sort of put that portrayal in. And I put a lot of effort into making that character um, what it was. And I enjoyed the people that I worked with. It was was a wonderful film to work on. um, But I had no idea that it would take off and become a cult following, you know, Certainly, early release was uh, had a lot of competition. It was just poor timing.
0: Now, speaking of your your characters for Dracula, you you're iconic
5: <laughs> in that role. I
0: mean, truly, truly, to to my generation, you know, you were our
5: Dracula. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> you <were. laughs>
5: Glad to be somebody's Dracula for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, your your character was was mean. He wasn't. He, he was very you know suave, dead air, but not so seductive, kind of, come to me, Dracula, no, he was, I'm getting you, you're done. <laughs> yeah. What 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 led you to those kind of choices?
5: Um, it just seemed inherent to the script. It's just the way that I read it, you know, was uh, to play him, to bring out the human aspects of him. I knew that others took a different approach. Uh, eliminate human aspects from their character. Tom, Tom Noon, his approach, Frankenstein's monster, or Frankie, they called him in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my approach to try and... I think the scariest thing about any monster are, uh, always happens human aspects that are brought out, sort of sociopathic tendencies, psychotic, are pretty frightening. Mm-hmm. The stuff of Nightmare.
0: Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense because you know, a lot of people ask me, how can you watch all this stuff and your blood and guts and things like that? I'm like, well... What I'm seeing on the screen is nowhere near as scary as the real threat.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's always the leap of faith with the movie stuff. That it, well, it's a movie, you know. Mm-hmm. It's fake blood. It's fake. It, it is a fantasy. Okay,
0: awesome. Um, all right. Um, were you given a, a choice? Did you did you seek out the role of Dracula? Is that what you tried out for, or you know, were you looking for a different role in the movie? Or?
5: No, I, it was, uh, they approached me to come in and talk to them about it, and, um, then it turned into a series of, of different, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, uh, the part, and I know there was people that were interested as well, and, um, that's just how it worked out. Audition, that was it. It was an interesting character, so I went for it.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, one of the most striking scenes in the movie is when, uh, you're impaled on the wrought iron fence, um, was, how how did that that come about? Uh, I
5: mean, I have no idea how <laughs> it hurt. Uh, what can I say? <laughs>
0: oh my goodness!
5: No, um, <laughs> they didn't really impale me on a fence.
0: Well, uh, I would hope not. <laughs> but I don't I
5: don't know whose idea that was. If that, it could have been Fred Deckers and Shane Black's. I'm not sure. Well,
0: the physical though, you were you know, were, was that you on the fence? Did they have a rig? You know, was it not your torso?
5: Um, I, I can't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> but I think it was, it, it had to be some kind of rig, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Um, yeah, as far as I can remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Would well, you have Phoebe by the face? That's one of the most terrifying moments.
5: <laughs> yeah, it is pretty, pretty terrifying even today. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, like so many things in that movie, they were sort of a little bit ahead of their time and fairly daring. Mm-hmm. Um, give me the amulet, you bitch. Uh, probably bumped. In fact, it did bump the film up into the next category. At that time, it was not acceptable to say that a little girl, a little child, and sure. um, you know, it it was a scary, probably more scary for. It chilled my blood. That girl. <laughs> she was really, really. Yeah, yeah she screamed. scream. <clears throat> because yes. She could. <clears throat> yeah. um, but it was good fun. It was in the end, a lot of fun um I think it's you know it's a film that's obviously held the test of uh, through the test of time I think generational a lot of stuff yeah,
0: very much no um during filming um did you you know hang out with the kids you know Everything like that, or did you keep yourself separate, like the I, I kept
5: myself separate, and we sort of we took that approach on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. it, it added more mystique to Dracula, made him scarier, because they were just little kids. Andre, they were all running around the set all over the place. It was, you know, a thrilling experience for them. But mm-hmm. you know, we tried to make dangerous, possible, seemingly dangerous for them, um, and it and it pretty much worked that distance because it, there was mystery to it, and it made it more exciting.
0: That's that approach worked. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I'm just in awe. Honestly, I'm a little star <laughs> <laughs> um, Your art, what, what sort of art do you
5: um, Well, you can check it out anytime It's uh, on com or Um I, I work most mostly figuratively and sculpture, um, and I have done it all my life, career, my life, a way of life.
0: Right, so- did you start in art and then parlay that into acting, or did no? You they could
5: sort of. They were all to me. It's all the same basic different mediums that I work through. And um, <clears throat> pardon me, but, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. art has a, has a stronger edge to it. Um, I'm totally in charge of what comes out in that respect. In film and television, it's a collaborative situation. You have less say about what's going on. You're of a, an interpretive artist regard.
0: And you have a new show opening up. On Thursday, correct?
5: Yeah, exit uh, in Vancouver at Petlitsch Gallery, we're opening um, despite restrictions of COVID and all of that. We're not having a formal reception, as we yes, it's opening show. It's called uh, Anonymous, and it features series from a series of things that I. And called The Lost Man along with another thing called The Forgotten Woman and together they make up the body of the show.
0: Wow. Well if anybody up in that area please please go check it out and report back. Oh my goodness. Well um Mr. Rickier, I know your time is precious and that's really all the questions that I had to ask you. I appreciate your time so very much. Thank oh, you so much for calling
5: Thank, thank you for asking. Appreciate you having
0: me. Oh, you're very welcome. And like I said, you're, you're welcome anytime. any time. Just you know, reach out, and we'll we'll gladly sit down and speak to you anytime. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. You have a wonderful evening, and I hope the the opening goes well. And, and, and good luck to you.
5: And likewise, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye now. madness and magic.